0: Geek5Nation, this is your good old pal, Dane, and we have another enticing episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, the show where we go over wrestling, pay-per-views, do WWE, some things over in Japan and stuff, and then we have a great time talking about it. So, uh, of course, I have my uh, co-host, Mr. Christopher Ray Patton. How are you doing, Brother Ray?
1: Good,
2: man. How about you? How are things going?
0: You know, I, I the thing that we complain about all the time on here, I work too much. So I've been working a lot, but can't complain. Doing a lot of that OT. Worked eight hours on Saturday, and I wanted to shoot myself. Uh, But other than that, you know, it's been pretty good. I can't complain. I like my life. So, yeah, that was – that sounds depressing. So we'll we'll, uh, (laughs) try to pump pump the vibe back into this thing. Uh, I'm just stoked still because Chris Jacker came back, and it was out of nowhere. Definitely like that a lot. But we have a lot of topics to run down tonight on the show. And uh, let's start off with the first topic. Okay, apparently, Chris, there may be another shakeup from Vince post-SummerSlam for the Raw and SmackDown roster. Um, I don't know how I feel about it 100%. I kind of want to hear your reasoning because I think you're going to take me off the ledge because I saw what you put on, on uh, the Facebook page. Uh, and I agree with you. I just... At this point, I feel like every time he does a shake-up, Vince is just admitting that he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. Um, And I think that if they don't turn SmackDown around now, which was funny because it was Rob beforehand, poor old Road Dog is going to shoot someone. So um, just based on all that, how do you feel about this shake-up, and do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Honestly, it's probably a good idea um, simply
2: because they've moved talent around and they have this whole jump team to the free agent. Thing going on. Um, I think this will allow them to make more sense of the free agency situation as well as some of the situations you've had where Jason Jordan kind of flopped brands. I believe there is one other person that kind of flopped brands. Um, and hopefully it can breathe some life into the tag team division again, maybe moving some of those guys away from each other, whether it's putting the Hardys on SmackDown or Anderson and Gallows on SmackDown. Um, There's some different things I think they can do. Uh, I know one thing that you had mentioned to me offline was uh, perhaps putting the Wyatt family back together, which would, you know, add another tag team in theory to, um, to raw. So there's some things that could happen. Um, It's not bad because SmackDown is just so dry right now. They're kind of stuck. They don't really have a, uh, a mid card outside of Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn's kind of like the gateway to the United States title in the heavyweight title right now, which is a weird place to be. Um, so, I mean, overall, I don't think it's a bad thing that they're going to do this right after SummerSlam. They usually do a superstar shakeup two to three times a year. That's kind of how it's always been in WWE. Uh, it's a way for them to navigate around the roster when they start running out of things to do, but as I've said before, that's kind of a problem with the brand split in general. Instead of just having all of these guys and all of these different matches that they can build off of, they're splitting it into two separate brands. And the SmackDown roster is a little on the light side right now, minus your uh, top contenders. Them getting Jericho back, of course, helps a lot. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it's a, a bad thing necessarily. It's just – it's it's a weird scenario. It might be good for Kevin Owens to get moved back to raw if possible. Um, so there, I mean, there's some good things that can happen from it. It it just depends on where they want to go. I kind of, if Samoa Joe doesn't win the title, I think he would be better fitted for like SmackDown. There's some different situations I could see where it could help out, but there's also some, you know, situations that could just make worse depending on how much more top heavy they want to make raw. Um, the problem with SmackDown in the past with these drafts is it ends up being the B brand. And unless they keep AJ Styles there forever on SmackDown, it, you know, it, they're going to eventually run into a situation where they have top talent. And, and that happened with Edge. I mean, Edge was like the SmackDown guy for forever, but then it was, you know, edge and like two other main eventers and then everything else below that just absolutely sucked on SmackDown. So I'm hoping that's not what's going to happen with the superstar shakeup. And maybe they're going to try to even these rosters out a little bit.
0: Well, you would hope so. I mean, if they're going to, if they're going to take it in a certain direction, that's fine. But I hope that we don't lose potential feuds that they've been hinting at for a while. Like if like, say the Bray Wyatt, Finn Balor thing has potential to have legs past SummerSlam, which I'm assuming that's where they're going. I hope we don't lose that ability to keep on going that direction because all of a sudden, oh, never mind, uh, Finn's on SmackDown. Like, I hope that it's well thought out, and normally with a giant corporation, I would think that they have that handled, but WWE is the only one I can actually question about that because of the questionable shit they've done in the past. So it's just, it's a weird concept. I hope they don't do this too often, but I like the idea of, of new feuds being able to happen, but I think we both agree the best solution Get rid of it all. So I'll let you do your response if you need to for that, and then uh, go into this next um, couple topics, Chris.
2: No, I mean surprisingly, I kind of, I, I mean, I'm, for the most part, we actually agree. It, I, it's just you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the superstar shakeup is a bad thing because I think on SmackDown they have some issues they need to resolve, and and on Raw they have some issues they need to resolve. I think Raw has a lot of main eventers and no mid card talent right now. Uh, outside of yep. the Miz who's holding down the Intercontinental title. But the rest of that thing, the reason they've had so many of these big, like, four, um, you know, the, like, the, for instance, the, at SummerSlam, you're getting a, a four-man match for the for the title. And the reason that is is because, I mean, all of their big draws are, are their heavyweights, their, you know, they're top guys. And I think if you split those across the brands, it could be a good thing. But that's also me putting a lot of faith in WWE to actually get this shakeup right. And Exactly. The last shakeup hurt both brands in different ways. So it's, it, you know, it's a kind of a, it's kind of a, a, a hope and a dream. Hopefully oh. it works out well. Question but.
0: before, before you go, do, do you think that the Miz and Dean Ambrose will both end up on SmackDown after this in a feud? I, I hope not for, for Dean's
2: sake. I, I'm assuming they're going to ride the Seth Rollins, Dean Ambrose angle out for a while. Until one of them turns on the other, so I, if that means they're going to be a tag team for a little bit, that, I mean that's a possibility at least leading up to Summerslam. Simply because they don't have anything for them to do because they're in that same they're in that same boat where you can't really just have Dean fight Ambrose for forever. And outside of putting like those Rawls two guys to together,
0: you down.
2: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, there's there's things they could do with them, but they, I mean, the, I'm assuming the storyline going into this is going to be those two tagging a lot up until SummerSlam, and then probably leading into yeah. some kind of stipulation match against the Miz um, to blow that feud off once and for all. But uh, but they're they're one of those situations I'm talking about where you know they're two guys who are both former you know heavyweight champions, and they're kind of just relegated to working with one another because they were in the Shield before. So that's, I, it, that's the thing when you have your, you know, you have so much top talent on Raw, and they don't really know, they don't have good programs for them. I mean, I guess the the Dean Ambrose versus the Taraj it's good for the Miz and the, the people that are in the Taraj but I don't know that it really helps Dean Ambrose at this point because he lost the title. He's lost both his rematches, and now he's just teaming with Seth Rollins, which just, to me, makes him look like a... Uh, A smaller star or someone that's not on the same level, like he needs Seth to get the job done kind of thing. So unless they're turning that into an angle, it's one of those weird situations like I'm talking about where they they don't have anything for these guys to do. Um, Nope. So, yeah, it's it's really weird. I I think some of these people, like some of the heavy, like the bigger guys even, you have so many monster-type characters on Raw right now. Um, well, you have, like, a Superman in Roman Reigns. You have an absolute monster in Braun Strowman. You have a Destroyer or a Killer in Samoa Joe. You have kind of three of the same guys, so one of those guys moving to SmackDown could be good. So, I mean, there's a tons of different things that would make sense for the shakeup. It's just if they're going to do them or if it's just a way to transition different people to... Raw, for instance, like, if they want to do like a Gable-Jason Jordan feud down the road, are they going to shift him to Raw from SmackDown and then not have anything for him to do up until that point? Like, things like that worry me. If if they're just doing it for storylines for Raw, it's going to suck, but if they're actually trying to make SmackDown more viable and kind of give them some more top-end talent, then I'm completely fine with it.
0: No, I agree. Um... I don't know. We'll have to, we'll have to, we'll have to find out. Uh, but uh, do you have any um, updates on this whole, on uh, Rey Mysterio we've been talking about a lot? And then I've old Patron and good old Paige. Do you have any uh, updates on that whole entire thing, Chris?
2: So the thing with Rey Mysterio is he has actually gotten some offers from GFW. Um, according to Dave Meltzer, the WWE hasn't offered him a um, straight contract yet, so it's just been kind of rumored that they're interested uh, and GFW has kind of thrown some money offers out there so I'm assuming depending on how much they want to pay him you definitely could see Rey Mysterio and GFW very soon, even if it's a short-term contract I don't really know what the WWE would use him for at the moment Uh And if he was to sign a one-year deal, that would take him out past Royal Rumble in WrestleMania, so they wouldn't really have much for him to do. So from the looks of it, it looks like he'll be in GFW, which I think is actually better for him uh, with the way the main – like I said, the main event on – SmackDown and, and Raw is with having so many... Well, if he went to SmackDown, it might be better, but if he went to Raw, he would just be completely lost in the shuffle uh, and probably wrestling against people like Neville, which might not necessarily be a bad thing, but I, I think he would definitely be placed in the cruiserweights. And to me, Rey Mysterio is... kind of exceeds most of those guys outside of Neville. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of want to see him in DFW because I think it'll be good for that company, but at the same time, it's a, it's a weird situation for wwe uh i know they won't bring him back to nxt on that kind of contract or anything so i would assume that he'd end up working in the cruiserweight division which i'm not uh 100 sold on but him him possibly helping alberto patron out against the likes of lax or something or just feud him straight feuding with lax i find more intriguing far as storyline stuff goes so it would be cool to see him in gfw and that looks like where he's probably heading based on the fact that they've offered him some contracts and i think he came back with a counter so that's uh i don't have any of the details on the contracts or what they offered but that's what it it sounds like um how that thing is it's going to go down and for the alberto uh patron Al- alberto el patron and page situation it is from all the resources I've seen online, it seems like that she is probably the one that's going to get charged in this whole airport scenario, and they're reviewing, I guess, you know, because it's the airport, there's security footage everywhere, so they're reviewing these footage, but the police actually came out and said that she more than likely is going to be getting charged for this, which in theory is going to get her suspended from WWE when she's already on, I guess, long-term IR at this point. So I'm assuming this might be the end of her WWE career. I don't necessarily know that she's going to come back from this. If this security footage gets out and she's actually shown as being a bad guy in public in an airport, uh, Vince will probably just part ways, and this gives him kind of the fuel he needs. And the other weird thing is Alberto Patron is – Supposed to be suspended for all of this But he's actually booked for house show dates In August so I don't know if They've lifted that suspension that was Before this news came out where she's possibly Going to be the one getting charged But that's kind of where everything's Sitting right now um, So yeah I just I wanted to put that news out there because it's Something I read earlier today and thought it was Kind of interesting uh, and, and What's your thoughts I mean do you, do you Feel like Ray's a good fit in GFW Or are there any feuds you would want to see uh, him in, for instance. You there, Dane?
0: Damn, I was, like, really into it, too. I hate the stupid mute thing. I wish it would, like, just turn on once I start talking. Anyways, um, I think that it just depends on how much Miles, Rey Mysterio has left, like, how long he wants to do this. If you want a couple more years, like two or three, Then yeah, go to GSW. You'll be able to have way more feuds. You know, you'll be able to have great feuds, actually, with people that you already have worked with and know. And, yeah, I like the idea of him in LAX and maybe him joining them somehow and then turning on Alberto Patron. They could do a lot of great stuff with that scenario. Um, But if Ray actually only wants to be around for maybe like another year or so, and I could see him, actually, I would agree with you in the sense that if he would like to go to the Cruiserweights, because he wants, a, he wants to get the title just to have a Cruiserweight title again and also work with all the talent from there. And, he, and more of it is his perspective of like a lot of the, old, the guys when they're about to get a, a, you know out of it, like Big Show with Braun Strowman and Big Cass, they want to work with the younger talent and help them out a little bit and progress the whole entire thing. So I could see him having a great view with Neville taking the title and it being really prestigious and maybe bringing eyes over there if Ray wanted to do that. But if he has a couple more years left, yeah, I would definitely go with uh, with uh, Global Force Wrestling. That seems like a no-brainer because they don't have any room for him in Ron SmackDown, and I don't want to see him getting pushed to nowhere or forced to, like, come in, and then it's like, oh, yeah, we want you for the Cruiserweight division. Like, if you want to do that is what I'm trying to say. Both uh, to Patron and uh, Paige, I don't care anymore. I think that it just sucks because I do think he's a good wrestler. I've been watching a lot of his stuff. He's a good babyface, too. I like him, like Ability as the wrestler on TV. Um, it just, their, their situation seems completely toxic. Toxic. She looks awful. I've seen pictures, like I said, of people posting of, of her just skinny as shit. I just hope that everything gets situated between the two of them. And, you know, I never got to see Paige in the ring, so I never knew if she was good. I, I, I got a lot of different feedback from people. Maybe she should go check out her matches. But I hope that's not a waste of her talent. And I hope that Alberto doesn't get fucked uh, on his side either, especially from all this type of shit. So it's just a shitstorm that that belongs on TMZ and would be more interesting to my sister and, you know, some of my cousins out there than wrestling would be. You know, go figure, because my sister, I think, watches uh, Total Bellas or whatever. But anyways, um, what do you think? And then um, tell me about this Four Horsemen fucking frenzy. So I mean, as far as the Alberto Patron thing
2: goes, I agree with you completely. I think he is um, right now he's the, he's the biggest star on Global Force, so it's good to see that he's coming back to these house shows,
0: but it always
2: it's so weird with Global force they're they're never out in front of anything. It seems like they're always on the back end or the tell in response of situations similar to this Hardy's deal that's been going on, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but I just wish that they would have came out and be like, you know, barring the investigation, we're going to lift this suspension. It makes sense with him being on TV. makes sense with him being booked at house shows, and at the end of the day, it kind of makes him look, makes the company look worse, than it makes him look worse at this point, because they're saying, you know, look, this wasn't his fault. He's not getting charged for this. If you listen to the tape, he's the one saying call the police, et cetera. Pages even came out and said this was her fault, so at this point, to have him suspended and not be out there in front of it and not make a, you know, a public statement on it, but have him book the house shows, it kind of makes your company look a bit ridiculous. So from that standpoint, um, that's, that's really my only problem with it. As far as the Ray Mysterio thing goes, I think Global Force makes the most sense for him because it's, it's recorded. So for the most part, he's only working you know, once or twice a month. He's going to be getting a good, decent paycheck. And it's somewhere he's never been. It gives him a chance to catch, uh, capture the, you know, the Global good Force point. title or the TNA title. I, th- I think it's a good place for him to kind of wind down his career and not, you know, if he goes to the WWE, they're going to want him to travel constantly and probably work against Neville or whatever their top cruiserweight is at the time. And I, I think it would actually be the perfect fit for NXT, for someone to challenge a Bobby Roode or someone coming in as a legend if they wanted to do a one-off. Type deal like they did with Justin Liger um, or some of the others in the past. I think that could be a cool concept for WWE, but I don't know that they would have any interest outside of that, you know, outside of like a cruiserweight program or some one-off on NXT type stuff. So I think Global Force is the best fit for him. Um, as far as the four horse w- women, this is uh, all from the Observer, and there are some spoilers in here so i'm going to try to skim through it the best i can without actually talking about the may young classic because it hasn't aired yet <clears throat> but basically an angle is in talk where you would have a mma four horse women versus a wwe four horse women um type situation including baszler uh rousey um Shafir, I think her last name, and they're not sure who the third person is going to be. But the Four Horsemen women of uh, WWE would be, you know, the ones that were included in the documentary: Uh, Bailey, Charlotte, Becky, and God, I'm forgetting someone completely at the moment. But the idea is you would have a oh uh, Bailey, yeah, uh, yeah. So you'd have a Four Horsewomen versus a MMA uh, Four Horsewomen in in a one-off match, probably at something like WrestleMania which to me makes complete sense in the way that you can use those wrestlers. Uh, my only thing would be, you gotta, if you're going to do this match, you need to put your WWE stars over unless some of these girls are going to stick around. Now, some of these MMA, um, one of these MMA females has a deep run in the May Young tournament. I'm not going to say which one because I don't want to spoil anything. But if you want to read about it, it's in the Observer newsletter. There's more detail in there. If it does. If you're if you're worried about spoilers, I would suggest not reading it. But um, it's definitely pointing one to of the them, fact um, that they're going to be. I,
0: I don't know if it's that one, but one of them is uh, Roddy's uh, uh, wife, right, Rod- Roderick Strong's. I know that he's married yep. to one of the MMA uh, horsewomen. Yep. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, definitely.
2: Like I said, it's it's it became, when I first thought about talking about this, I didn't think about the fact that it's going to be filled with spoilers if we go into too much detail. Um, I guess I could tell everybody to tune out and just read it, but I think it's probably better that we don't. But I guess, I mean, the main thing is, even if we didn't know who these were, the concept of some top MMA stars versus the four horsewomen of the WWE do you see this as a good thing or a bad thing? And would you be interested in seeing it, especially if it's only like a one-off, you know, going into WrestleMania type deal? And it sounds like they're going to be building this a bit in the May Young Classic. So my, my, my thing was for the listeners and for you, is this something that you're interested in and, you know, would you be down to see it, I guess?
0: Absolutely. Uh, if, if this was me and this is a booking thing and also obviously certain things have to be in place – um, I would build this year for little bits and pieces of that to get exposed um, and have them at Wrestlemania. If you have those... I know a lot of people are going to be turned off because if you if you do have Wrestlemania, Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, and Becky are all not going to be available for title shots, title match, whatever. But this is a pretty big fucking thing, and I know a lot of people are going to be like, whoa, well, the MMA girls, they wouldn't be able to learn. I know especially Ronda Rousey, these girls have love for professional wrestling. Um, I've seen them at the events and their pictures. they had a lot of wrestling events. We already know Ronda Rousey. He's good friends with Stephanie McMahon and Charlotte in real life. Um, and they always have the Paul Heyman shirts. Brilliant. You, br- you make Paul Heyman, who already represents an MMA person, who's going to be parted at that point, so he's not going to have a lot to do. You get Paulie to represent these girls and Rick, to represent his, his daughter and the four horsewomen of wrestling, so where it should be. You know, that could be your angle. And you can build this up and present it on WrestleMania, and I would do an elimination just so that every girl has, like, a chance to really, you know, it would be Survivor Series style, basically. Um, and it would come down to, of course, Charlotte and Ronda, and Ronda would be signed to a contract afterwards, That if the other girls want to do something great, I'm not looking for that. This would actually make Ronda Rousey maybe a part-timer, but someone that will actually be there once in a while and maybe have a rivalry with Charlotte to start things off. I think it would be brilliant, I think it would be money, and I think it would be very intelligent. And I think the MMA girls call themselves a the four-horsewoman first so they could bring that to the table. I mean, it would just be fun. I have no problem with it. people that do are boring as shit.
2: Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think it's a, a great idea, especially if you're looking to have celebrities. Having someone that has an MMA-type background, there's ways that you can work around their limitations in the ring. And obviously, some of these females have already had some wrestling training since they're part of the May uh, Young Classic. So I'm assuming they're going to be getting more exposure even before this. So building towards a big event, if you want to put Paul Hammond and Rick Flair in there, that that just adds to the prestige of it. I think this is one of the better ideas they've had for a celebrity-type outside match Absolutely, uh, for WrestleMania in a long time. I mean, if you think about it, last year was Gronkowski jumping into a battle royal. Um, I mean, is that bigger? Is that a bigger draw than, you know, you know, Rousey and three other MMA badasses versus your top female stars in WWE? And not I was only that, off. Chris
0: think about this is is, is is how important all, you know, the four on each side are towards their respective sport and female combat, like the exposure in general. Like, I think it's, I, if we're, if we're going the direction of women's wrestling, this should be the second to last match, basically. I wouldn't put it last because it's not singles, but this could be, you know, one of the last matches at Mania. Sorry.
2: Yeah, no, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, th- it's, a, it's going to be a big draw, and you're going to get a crossover audience. And while people, you know, I, I would say a lot of UFC fans don't really pay attention to the WWE product, but if you put those names out there and it's at WrestleMania, I think you have a chance to pull some of that audience in, which is always a good thing, and then, you know, really do something with it and, that, and have a big special match, which WrestleMania needs. I mean, WrestleMania, all the, not all matches are going to be, you know, HBK versus... The Undertaker. So where, like, you know, your ring quality might, your ring work might go down in some of these scenarios um, during this match. The the spectacle of it is very WrestleMania, and I, I would look forward to it. I think it would be really cool. It'd be really cool to see uh, what what they can do on you know Raw and SmackDown building up to it, however they wanted to work that. I think I think it'd be really a really really neat idea. Um, where it gets a little weird is how they get Becky Lynch Charlotte. Sasha and Bailey all on the same roster again. So, I'm wondering if this female shakeup is going to hurt one of these shows um coming up at SummerSlam unless they do another one before WrestleMania or do the draft beforehand because I'm assuming they're going to want this
0: um, program on Raw.
2: So, I'm that's
0: trying to think even if they're on separate ones, like it's two on two, basically. One, two's on one side, two's on the other. If they kind of, you know, especially when the May, May Young Classic premieres and we get to see come some of this, you know, they could build up with pay-per-views and have the girls attack those four women, just always have vendettas for Bayley, you know, during their matches, kind of like leading up to it. So it wouldn't matter if, if, you, if, if it's two from SmackDown and two from Raw. It would kind of be like these are representing WWE, these are representing, you know, MMA or the UFC or whatever. That's, I, I, that's at least how I would book it, I guess.
2: Yeah, I mean, that would work as well. It's just, when I, when I say this, it's more me thinking about how WWE thinks about their product, which is they're going to want that draw on Raw to pop the rating. So, I, I, you know, if they do it that way, I think that makes more sense. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they're like, well, women's wrestling is on Raw or at least all the women stars are on Raw, and they move Alexa bliss back to a uh, SmackDown to feud with Carmela, Natalie, uh, Naomi, Lana, that kind of scenario. I wouldn't be surprised if, if they do something like that as well.
0: I could definitely see that too. All right. So, uh, let's, let's move on, shall we? It's a cool concept to think about, you know, um, Chris, uh, there was a little bit of a—I'm uh, assuming—a mistake uh, with Hulu and a picture of a one CM Punk um, for a WWE um, ad for for SmackDown. Um, what is this all about? And does this? Do you think this correlates that CM Punk is definitely coming back to WWE? I don't. I
2: honestly don't think that it means much of anything, but it did make a, a, you know, a huge rumor mill start and everyone is still seething at the teeth to, to see CM see Punk again. I mean, he's still a huge draw and someone that they may be able to get back. Um, if enough apologies were spoken and the money was right, but uh, it was a real weird thing. It was on Xbox live. Uh, Hulu splashed a, Basically, a CM Punk picture with the SmackDown logo over top of it. It's a WWE SmackDown Live Tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern. This was on the 25th, so yesterday. And a bunch of this flew around Twitter. So, in a sense, it seemed a little bit like fake news at first when I first saw it, but it got picked up by Pro Wrestling Magazine and and a few other places. So, I thought, you know, it'd be good to at least talk about. And, um,. It could be something where WWE sends a bunch of blank images or a package of images and Hulu just runs it. Uh, I'm assuming, you know, the people at Hulu aren't necessarily in tune with the WWE product necessarily. So it's very possible that they just, you know, ran this not thinking. Um, But the weird thing about it is, you know... Vince had a stroke.
1: Huh?
2: Vince must have had a stroke. Oh, he was probably upset if he saw this. I I don't know. It, it, did, it didn't become as big of a thing as I expected it to today. But um, the weird thing about it was that, you know, it was definitely WWE SmackDown Live, which would have been uh, tonight at 8 p.m. On, on Tuesday, which would have been prior to CM Punk leaving or, or, or after CM Punk left. So that's what made it kind of weird that you could tell that it was uh, something that was – a complete accident and it was on the uh it was like I said it was on Xbox Live so it may not have hit all Hulu users it is it, a weird scenario altogether um I don't think that this means anything as far as if CM Punk's gonna resign or not he hasn't came out and addressed it I know that it was tweeted at him a couple times based on what I could see from Twitter today but um I think it's fake news so or, or not fake news necessarily I think it was an actual mistake but I wouldn't put anything other than someone made a mistake and probably got fired <laughs> into it. It would be awesome if CM Punk came back, but I, I wouldn't hold my breath on it, in other words.
0: All right. All right. So I'm queuing I'm you in like you've been here the whole entire time, Juwan. Um, so basically, Hulu screwed up and put a picture of CM Punk for promotion of SmackDown on the Xbox uh, Hulu app and people have freaked out thinking that CM Punk might be coming back to WWE. Now me and Chris are extremely skeptical. Um and we we both obviously would like to see him back, but we don't think it means anything. Uh, how 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 do you feel about that and how the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Thank you. Um
1: companies like Hulu very 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 uh rarely make mistakes like that. Um Chris was saying earlier, you know, you know they send a bunch of uh images they pick something they you know they then upload it to their uh their site to, to go along as as promotion I do not think that means uh that necessarily is the indicator that coming um I would not rule out that c m bunk is coming his u f c career is not uh has not taken off the way he had imagined it would. Um, so with Brock going back possibly, I do see maybe a window for WWE and CM Punk to maybe work something out. They don't really need him. They're actually doing um, a lot better now than they were when he first left. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's a direct indicator, but these companies do rarely make mistakes like that, but they do make mistakes. So I, I am erring more on the side of it was an error rather than a leap possibility of him coming back.
0: Yeah, I, I think it's always a good thing to go back on, because, you know, with with, with Punk, it's like, what the fuck's he doing right now? He's he's, he's recording a reality TV show with people from uh, The the Challenge. If you guys remember what The Challenge is, they used to have a really cool show called The Real World, and it started all this horrible stuff 20 years later when it was all about materialism and people just getting wasted on camera. Um, and so real world and world rules had these challenges and it wasn't like a fucking game show. It was like people just getting wasted and shit. So now CM Punk's a part of like a celebrity section, almost gets in fight with one of these fucking numbskulled dickheads on set. That's what he's doing, but apparently he's really happy. And my whole thing is like, no offense to him with the whole MMA. If he wants to do that, it's fine. Obviously you're not going to be able to step in UFC anytime soon, but if you want to keep on going for it, great. If you don't want to do WWE, Ring of Honor and New Japan would be very suitable for him. I'm not telling him he has to, obviously, but it, it just, it's a waste uh, to me. And if, if, if something's happening, that's great. I know that a lot of – I I agree with you guys. I think this is just an error. Um, I remember the first time I used Direct uh Go or whatever the fucking stupid uh, computer version I have um, – I almost had a heart attack because Raw was loading – yeah, SmackDown was loading for me, and Edge was on the screen. So as soon as it flashed up, I was like, no, no, he's retired. And I realized, like, oh, okay, that's, this, that's what they have still. Edge has been retired for how long, and that's their image for SmackDown when it's loading. So probably is nothing, but getting to the point, i like to see CM Punk come back. Um, I mean – really, They don't really need him like you said, though, so I don't know. I mean, the, the way
1: I look at it. No, I was just saying, the way I look at it is we, we know why uh, he decided to leave. Um, you know, things weren't working yeah. out really between him and uh, upper management. And honestly, if he comes back, he's going to look to want to be the guy. And I kind of like that they're grooming these new guys. And like I said, it's doing a lot better now than it was when he first left uh, a few years ago. So, I mean, you guys know I'm the hugest CM Punk fan, but if him coming back means maybe Finn Balor takes, like, another step back than what he's already doing now and stuff like that, I I don't know if I necessarily want that. So if he's coming back in a capacity like, um, you know, with Finn Balor where he's going up against, like, a Finn Balor or something like that so he can still kind of uh, blossom more in in the main roster, then I'd be fine with it. But if you're telling me that him coming back means some of my favorite stars kind of have to take a back seat to his celebrity, I don't know if I'm
0: necessarily uh, on board for that. And it would be so ironic for that to happen to him, kind of like when John Cena was always calling out The Rock for being a part time wrestler. And now, well, even though John Cena shows up and does his best, he kind of is that himself. You know, uh, Chris, I-, I agree with Jawan a lot of what he's saying. And um, I don't know. Um, t- do you think that the WWE even needs CM Punk? Um, and if they're going to get him back, does Vince only need to say that he what, – what the hell did he say to fucking Stone Cold a long time ago, that he left, to go, he left his ball or some bullshit like that? Like, you know, just insult him on TV. Maybe he'll come back, right?
2: Uh, yeah, he could definitely do – you know, he took his ball and went home, and he's definitely said that That's before it. in promos. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that there's stuff that you could do with CM Punk, and you could even have, have him come in as a, uh, you know, a heel – for for sure, as a part timer, and then have him go against you know uh, other stars to help elevate ty- uh, talent. Uh, there, he doesn't necessarily have to be there week in and when, week out for CM Punk to be relevant in the WWE. I do agree for for the sense that with part timers, you always run the risk of essentially your knocking someone else down a peg when you bring in someone like CM Punk. So there's always that. And, and I always bitch about that as well. So I, I, I definitely see that side of it. I, I think that there's business there specifically with Samoa Joe and CM Punk based on their Ring of Honor history and the fact that they own some of that footage or have paid for some of that footage in the past for CM Punk uh, DVDs and the WWE specials they've done uh, for CM Punk that they could build a really intriguing storyline specifically for him and Samoa Joe if they wanted to do a kind of one-off thing. Uh, but other outside of that, like I I don't, I I don't necessarily think that WWE needs him there on a weekly basis unless he's going, unless he's okay with playing a role in, in the same sense as like Jericho, where it's like, yeah, you're a big part of the show and you're battling for these mid card titles. But he also, in a sense was elevating Kevin Owens. Um, so if you want to use him in some, some kind of role like that, I think that makes sense. But, yeah, I agree with Juwan as far as, it, you know, don't bring him back if it's going to hurt your younger talent and the people that you're trying to get over currently.
0: It's crazy how life is because now he is the older talent. So when he would come back, you're right. He would be most likely, if you were to come back, there would have to be, hey, you're coming over here. You might get the title, you know, soon. We, we'll put you up for something, but you're going to be helping a lot of that stuff. So You'd he, have to have that mentality. And I'm, not, I'm not saying CM Punk doesn't. Because a lot of the stuff that he did, even though he was reflecting on himself, I really honestly believe it was to help the guys in the back. I don't think that that was ever bullshit. So maybe he would play ball. I don't really know. Take his ball, go home. Just give him a dog a bone. I'd rather see him in New Japan, honestly. But that's just me. Let's keep on going. Hey, uh, Dane, All right, guys. Wait, uh, Dane, before – What's
2: up? Dane, uh, real quick before we move on. When I when I say – I do realize that, you know, CM Punk is older, but there are people that are the same age as him in WWE – when I say older talent, I mean some in comparison to the people that aren't as established in WWE. CM Punk's almost his, you know, the majority of all his popularity come from w- came from WWE prior to Ring of Honor. And I think everyone knows his WWE work. So when I say, you know, older talent, I mean specifically, you know, a former WWE star, not necessarily an age thing. So I just wanted to clarify that. Because some of the new talent, yeah, like Samoa Joe, is around the same age. So...
0: Yeah, John Cena. Yeah, I guess you're right because John Cena, AJ Styles, all those guys are about. They have to be close to forty. But uh, just to let you guys know and clarify, you know, um, CM Punk, Christopher did not mean that you're old. So don't kick either mine or his ass. I did basically on what I was saying, but just whatever. So let's um, let's keep on going. Uh, I, I basically I watched. I, I had a question for you guys because you guys both watch, or I'm assuming you watch wrestling. When Daniel Bryan was on top and, and this whole entire build up with him. Uh, kind of replacing, I guess, CM Punk as that guy that they weren't paying attention to, if you will, in a lot of ways. Um, Daniel Bryan was trained by Shawn Michaels. I mean, he's a fucking monster in the ring. I got the, you know, uh, witness a lot of his matches, and I went back after I watched the 24 documentary, documentary of him having declared that he was going to retire. And I feel that we've talked about this before, is that, you know, who's going to be able to be the next John Cena and be the guy that, that, you know, the company bounced off of? And obviously Vince thinks Roman Reigns is that person. Who knows? All I know is do you guys agree that based on his in-ring ability, his likability, his charisma, his mic skills, his intensity, and also how over he was with the crowd and just how addictive, yes, saying yes, that Daniel Bryan had potential, even maybe more so than CM Punk did, to become the next big guy for WWE but was cut short uh, at the end of his career? Or do you guys not agree with that exactly? And how do you feel about Daniel Bryan, Um, Juwan? Um, I
1: I see exactly what you mean. Only issue is I think when Vince has the idea of being the guy, it's both inside and out of wrestling. And Daniel Bryan is more of a reserve kind of guy. Just like CM Punk wasn't more of an outside guy. He was just in the ring. He was going to give you everything. Outside of the ring, he kind of wanted to keep more to himself. John Cena, you see him hosting Nickelodeon events. You see him on The View and stuff like that. So I think when he has the idea of the guy, that's literally the face of wrestling. And John Cena currently is the face of wrestling. He's everywhere um, outside of the ring, and I don't necessarily know who on the current roster would be like that. I don't even see Roman Reigns like that. Like I, I was telling you guys earlier, I just went through and started watching like a bunch of old pay-per-views, and I kept watching Undertaker's run as um, the American Badass. Excuse me. And I'm looking at the American Badass uh, persona and looking at Roman Reigns now, and they're they're almost. Dead-on similar. Undertaker at that point was going around saying how, you know, he was the big dog, it was his yard. And, you know, uh, he was building that whole persona. So the fact that everyone keeps, well, let me not say everyone, that Vince is trying to push Roman as the new Cena is confusing to me when you could just give him the same allure as you gave The Undertaker. Obviously not with the undefeated WrestleManias, but just being that guy like the guy who... I said the same thing. Yeah, if there's this guy that's like the big bad, Roman Reigns is the guy who's going to let him know it's my yard. Exactly, exactly. That's what you focus on letting Roman Reigns be. I think the reason why the fans aren't so uh, receptive to him is no one wants him to be the new John Cena. We don't even necessarily want the current John Cena. We want new regime. We want someone who is more likable, kind of like a Daniel Bryan and a CM Punk who we only care about inside the ring. Vince is worrying about outside the ring. And I think that's where the biggest issue is coming from. Roman Reigns isn't really – he could improve more inside the ring. I'm not even talking about his wrestling ability. I'm just talking about his mic skills. Um, but, you, want, you have to admit, pre- sometimes.
0: he does get the biggest reaction, especially nowadays, especially Absolutely. like the other night. Yeah. People were cheering yeah. for him. When uh, the first time that Seth Rollins and uh, Dean Ambrose were storing down with those people, that was the first time I think that people were cheering for Roman since the fucking Roman Empire collapsed, like the original one.
1: Yeah. No, I completely agree with you. I completely agree. I have told you I thought the best guy they could um, market themselves after, um, if they're looking to go younger than uh, most of the, the top guys that they have, I do not understand why they cannot just make Finn Balor the guy. He is possibly one of the only—you know—let me not say the only, but he's well. The size, yeah, is, is the biggest issue. But I mean, Shawn Michaels was, was was Shawn Michaels was the guy for for a while. He had WWE title runs and, and stuff like that. And that guy's not Triple H's size. I just never understood Vince's whole mindset around you have to be a certain size. I've always hated the idea of that. But um, to, to wrap up so, so you could pass it on, um, I guess Roman Reigns is what they're looking for to be the new face. I just really think they should just market him more as uh, the new Undertaker, not meaning the Allure or the WrestleMania accolades or anything, just as the guy, and a, like you said, a mentor um, in the locker room and stuff like that. But I'm going to throw Finn Balor in, in in there because I think he could be the face um, of the WWE going forward.
0: Finn's got to be built, you know, I think they're doing a bad job. I think him and Bray Wyatt right now is a good thing for Finn. He's definitely one of my favorites. Um, just before I pass to the Christo, Going off um, what you're saying is, I I agree with you, and I, I think that Roman is the. I mean, it, that's how people refer to him is like. Undertaker wanted they were originally supposed to do him and Cena, but he, but that didn't work out, and he picked Roman Reigns because he believed that Roman was that leadership type of figure in the back. So knowing that that's how he is, that's 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 where he should be, and I don't think that's a bad thing at all. It's it's not bad to be. The next, you know, concept of the Undertaker. Obviously, not gimmick-wise. We're, talk, we're, we're talking other things. No one wants that type of burden, right, Bray Wyatt? Well, I mean, they've been doing good with them, like I said lately. Anyways, but the thing with Daniel Bryan, I think, to me at least, if he was, if he kept on going, if he kept on building momentum, he would be at least the biggest guy in the company right now, right on par with John Cena. So I don't know. Uh, how do you feel about it, Chris?
2: Uh, I believe that Daniel Bryan could have been the face of that company, barring uh, the injuries that he suffered. If he was able to stay around in the same consistent manner that John Cena was able to do in his career, I think that Daniel Bryan definitely could have been the face of that company. His work with uh, Connor's Cure and his work with uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation was on the same level of John Cena, and those are the things that are going to get you recognized and get you put into scenarios where you'll eventually end up posting the view and especially as over as he was and the amount of fan support he had, you know, it took John Cena a long time to become the guy that was on the view. It, it, you know, it didn't happen overnight. And I think that if the company had pushed Daniel Bryan and made him the face and put him on covers of video games and their magazines and their DVDs and made a bigger deal with him when he was there. And when the fans were red hot behind him before he got taken down by injury, um, almost two years in a row and was gone for long periods of time i think definitely that he could have been the, the face of the company it's probably the closest they have gotten in years uh with cm punk you always had the problem of it, there was hostility between him and the back and then that's kind of was the story of cm punk and i don't think that he would say anything any different as far as like uh being the face of like fans like wrestling fans or smart marks or whatever you want to call them. I think CM Punk was definitely someone that they saw as the person that rep- represented them. And I think the same goes with Daniel Bryan, but I think that the difference was Daniel Bryan had more of a crossover where I think that he could have reached, um, kids, moms, uh, people that aren't necessarily wrestling fans because of the yes chant of He's kind of got a goofy look to him. Um, He's also a vegan. He did, Like I said, he's done tons of charity work. I think there was a lot that they could have built off of with him and that they missed the boat on. As far as like people that currently could be anywhere near the level of John Cena, the only person that's even close crowd reaction-wise um, on a nightly basis, like you guys said, uh, be it for better or worse, is Roman Reigns. I think he, whether people are booing or cheering, he still gets one of the loudest reactions. Uh, I do see him very much as The Undertaker. We've talked about that uh, on this show a lot and how we wish that he would kind of take some of those tendencies or some of those some of the Undertaker's moves now that he's the one that put The Undertaker down, retired The Undertaker, um, and kind of embrace more of, like, instead of not being the bad guy or the good guy, just, you know, actually be the bad guy. And I'm not saying go full heel and start hitting people with chairs and shit, but just embrace more of, like, the American badass-type attitude and I think that they've been doing that with him and it's kind of worked wonders for him coming out of WrestleMania. Uh, I care more for his character now than I did ever before. So that's a good thing. I think they're you know moving in the right direction. What I don't think fans will appreciate is if he wins this title off Brock um, over Braun and Samoa Joe, I think that'll be a little bit of a setback for him unless they have a really great follow-up to it. So uh, it, it, as far as like people... Face the company right now. Your next John Cena. I don't. I don't think they found it yet, and I, I don't know that they will find it in the next couple of years. I think John Cena will, will be around until he can't physically wrestle anymore, and they're going to continue to ride that horse until that horse can no longer walk. So that's you know that's my feelings on it. Well, the,
0: the funny thing is, uh, you know, Stone Cold, and I think I've said this on the show before, he said that if a because Okada's – he he literally said because Okada would never come over here and he wouldn't translate well because obviously the language barrier, even though he knows English, that honestly if Kenny Omega came to WWE because of his age, his ability, everything, he would, lead, he would lead WWE in his head no problem. He told that to JR. So that's what he thinks. We're not talking about the whole concept again. It just sucks for AJ Styles because I think we can all agree AJ Styles gets quite a reaction out of the audience. But flip side, I think he is a year older than John Cena. So, it's, it's, he'll be doing great matches for a long time. He'll probably have, like, a Shawn Michaels career. And we'll have a lot of fun with him. He'll definitely have a lot of different titles. But, you know, I, he can't obviously... I mean, it could happen, but it's just based on how long will this wrestler be on TV. And, and getting back to Daniel Bryan, I, I, I feel like, even like John Cena, but even differently, when I was watching a lot of those promos leading up to stuff and watching these matches, he came off like... like and I've been watching WrestleManias, all of them starting with the first one. So I watched the first six in, a, in like a day and a half. Uh, not a day and a half, like three days. I do not I, I do stuff other than watch wrestling. But he had a very much of a Hulk Hogan appeal when it came to kids and stuff like that. Obviously a different size. But it's just too bad, man. And uh, it sucks for WWE because I think he is going to go back to wrestling. And I think that he's going to make one of those other companies a lot of fucking money. I understand what they're doing. I get it. It just sucks because he's been cleared by so many doctors and he was kind of forced to retire. But who knows? Maybe him being a new father, like I said, will keep his mind out of that direction. But people like Stone Cold and Shawn Michaels are examples where you shouldn't have fucking kept on wrestling. And they did. And they were able to get a couple more years and know their limits and got out on the perfect note. Uh, It seems like someone like Daniel Bryan knows his fucking body better than a lot of people know their own body. So, That's what I'm assuming. Um, Any closing statements from anyone before we move on? I was just going to say –
1: Oh,
0: okay. Go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was about to go on to the next subject. Say whatever you'd like to say, sir.
1: Um, No, I was just going to say it's it's, going to be a very hard task. I mean, John Cena is doing something um, we haven't really seen since Hulk Hogan, um, to where it's just transcending generations. Uh, of, of wrestling, so I mean, I, it's it's going to be a very hard task for Roman Reigns if that's who they decide to continue to try to make um, the new face. It's going to be very difficult because, like I said, this is something that hasn't been done um, since Hogan.
0: No, I agree, and uh, I think I think Triple H was actually pushing Rollins for a long time, but Vince was very dead on about Roman Reigns. <laughs> And I don't even know if Seth Rollins could have that. Um, I like Seth Rollins, but I think he's a better heel than his baby face. Um, I agree. The big cast got to realize that just because you're yelling at me with intensity doesn't mean that it's really, you know, comes off extremely believable or anything like that. That's no, <laughs> what I should say, because I'm just a slub that, that works in a fucking warehouse and look at my ass kicked by both of them and think they're great in ring performers, so fuck it. Let's go into our next subject of great feuds in WWE throughout the years, years. So, Chris. Consumes a lot of wrestling. He's been watching a lot of wrestling, uh, probably more than I have. Uh, honestly, I don't know. We haven't pulled out our wrestling sticks and found out or fucking any of that shit. Um, I've been watching lots of wrestling lately, especially going back, like I said, to WrestleMania and watching a lot of the old stuff. Jawan was talking about the fact that he's been watching a lot of the older feuds, and we should have a discussion about some of the great feuds throughout WWE. So basically, the way we're going to do this, guys, if you've watched Legends before, uh, where all the guys sit around the table, we'll just start popping out names and, uh, you know, let the person fucking talk, and I'll try to do the same thing myself. Um, You know, we can go actually in an order. I'll start, then we'll go to Juwan, and then Chris, and we'll just keep on going in a circle. If you want to interject, try to do it politely. I don't, but, you know, maybe you can. Um, And, yeah, so... Just feuds, and I, I'm going to think about a feud. Um, man, this is now that I, it's gone to me, and I got to think about something on the spot. This is where my brain doesn't work too well, but um, I'm going to go to one of my favorite feuds, actually, that I think it's overlooked because the, the participants had great feuds with other people. But during the Attitude Era, um, you know, you had Austin, The Rock, Triple H. You know, towards towards the 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 when it was at its highest volume, they were the big three. And Triple H is always known for his feuds with The Rock. He's always known for his feuds with, with Cactus Jack. And Stone Cold has, obviously, ones with, with other people as well. Probably both those guys are looked at um, with Cactus Jack and uh, The Rock more so. But my, one of my favorite feuds was actually Triple H and Steve Austin. Before they became partners, way before that, before Austin went heel for some fucking reason... You had that time period where Triple H was the Cerebral Assassin. He was the number one, and Austin wanted, wanted to come back. And he had that part where he had Rikishi hit him with a limousine, I believe. I think that happened. Maybe he mm-hmm. hit him in the leg or some, something like that. Then they fought, but it all led up to one of my favorite matches with the guys in it. The, the um, what the heck, the, the Triple, what the hell was it, Three Stages of Hell match. We started off as what was supposed to be a technical match, which wasn't, it was a standard fucking match went in from that. And then it became a hardcore match and then became a hell in the cell. And both stone cold and triple H, I think put on one of their best performances, uh, wrestling wise and just building it up. And I really literally hated triple H throughout the duration of this time period. So a lot of people look at Rock and, and, and stone cold, but for, for some reason, that's always where I go. When I think of attitude era is that feud. Um, I think I said, Juwan, you would go next. So, so there you
1: go. I actually love love that feud. Um, honestly, it is overlooked, very overlooked. Um, mine is going to be one of those um, pretty much obvious feuds. Um, as I was watching it, I just – I think it started at New Year's resolution uh, back when that feud was going on. I mean, back when uh, that, that pay-per-view was still going strong. Um John Cena and Edge, to me, that was one of my all-time favorite rivalries. Um, it was so on and off, on and off, on and off. Cena had so many uh, other rivalries in between the one with him and Edge. But um, I just thought that those were just some really, really, really great storylines. It's starting from Edge uh, being the first person to cash in his money in the bank um, against John Cena after he was done with his elimination chamber. Um like I said, I just I thought that was just some of the best um, rivalries I had seen in, in a long time. It they just played off of each other so well. That was when Cena was kind of not really ruthless aggression, but he was just way more aggressive uh, than he is now. Um, he was just way more entertaining back then, uh, and Edge was just at 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 his uh, his his prime. He was completely in his prime. His mic skills were great back then. I loved when he dumped the WWE title into the 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 river, and then brought his Rated R WWE mm-hmm. title. He just he that rivalry just brought so many great memories to uh to wrestling at that point. So my first one that I'm gonna throw in the uh, in there is Edge versus John Cena. All right, Chris, you got
2: one? Yes. And I'm actually going to bring it more recent. Uh, I am going to go the feud between Okada and Kenny Omega because those guys and what they've been able to accomplish in the ring to build that feud and what... what, Whoa.
1: That was delayed. Okay.
2: (laughs) Uh, I think that that's the hottest feud in wrestling right now, and I think that feud will last for a long, long time in the future. I think that Omega's done a great job building promos to keep the American audience um, involved and intrigued in it, and I think that takes a, a lot of work, uh, especially considering that you know most of Okada's promos are going to be in Japanese, and I think that it has been one of the hottest feuds in wrestling in the past uh, 10, 15 years as far as wanting to see those guys tear each other apart in the ring every time they that ring bell sounds. So that's going to be the first one I go with, is uh, Okada versus Omega.
0: Yeah, that's got to be one of the ones up there. That, that, that'd that be like The Miz and Dean Ambrose. I'm just kidding. I actually hate that fucking <laughs> feud now. Thank you for killing that for me, WWE. I really appreciate that. They had good chemistry for a while, and then shot all over it. Uh, if I were to go a little bit recent, too, i got I got to say that I lo- have really enjoyed, over the last year, seeing Braun Strowman and Roman Reigns kick the shit out of each other, and I hope it keeps on building and keeps on going, unless they get split from the shake-up and I just cursed everything. But actually, the next one I want to talk about is a pretty obvious one, uh, 90s. I was a child, uh, you know, probably this happened in 95, I believe, so that means I was 10. Um, but I've watched the evolution of Shawn Michaels, you know, going from the Rockers and getting away from that when he decided to kick Marty Jannetty through a window um, and then declare every other wrestler that one of them was going to be fucked with being the Marty Jannetty of the group after that, making a curse. It's too bad. Poor Marty. Um, And seeing Shawn Michaels go from that, being the heel, getting Diesel, as his bodyguard, losing Diesel and getting Psycho Sid and then going against Diesel, and I kept on building it up. And being a fan of Shawn Michaels, especially as a child, and not knowing about all the shit that he was going through, obviously, was all a plus. I didn't know how much of a dick he was, people in the back. I didn't really know that he was all, you know, coked up and on painkillers and shit. You know, that, none of that was there. It was just watching this guy become one of the coolest wrestlers. And my dad loved Bret Hart. And, uh, everyone knows the infamous stories of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, how they could have put on some amazing matches, like one of my favorites, the original Iron Man match uh, for WWE at least, um, between the two of them for an hour, uh, one of my favorite matches, Shawn Michaels wins it, and just the build up intention and finding out when you're getting a little bit older, some of the stuff that's going on actually behind the scenes and wondering, wait, is that real? And most of it fucking was, I mean, the problems with Vince McMahon and Sean, and Sean Shawn, and Shawn having control over a majority of his stuff and being hard to deal with, and him and Brett really not seeing eye to eye, and it just leading to Brett basically giving Vince a warning, hey, WCW's offering more money, what do you want me to do? Vince couldn't match it like it happened with a lot of wrestlers. It wasn't bad or anything like that, but Vince realized he wanted to get the title away from Brett because he was worried about Brett pulling in a Lunder blaze and showing up with the title. And basically, you know, demean the company. So, even though Brett was a very, very, I think, you know, you can say what you want about the hitman, but he's a very, I think, with his word, he at least seems like an honorable person. Um, all happened in Montreal where, you know, as soon as Sean put Brett in the, in the sharpshooter, Brett's moved, mind you, um, they called the match. Uh, Vince made the guy call the match. Uh, Brett spit in his face. Uh, tried to get in the fist fight. He was throwing shit everywhere. And, you know, that whole entire era lived on so long that we watched the progression, and just recently, in the last couple of years, they resolved, I guess, at least, their differences for the most part, because Sean's changed a lot. Obviously, he's a religious man, and Brett's still cranky as fuck, but they were able to get him on camera and talk about this whole entire thing. But this was, this this, this was, I think, the to me, the feud of the ages. I don't think anything will be as severe, because this was not only in a wrestling, like, you know, this, this was in real life, too. A lot of this was, you're seeing what you got, basically, and they were two of the best wrestlers at that time period. One that just could not lead the company financially with Brett, or at least that's what Vince's claim was. And Shawn was just a little bit popular. This is before they had Stone Cold and The Rock. So, you know, I mean, to me, that will just go on as being one of the best, if not the best. But, uh, anyways, Juwan, throw something at me. And Chris.
1: Well, thank you for setting the bar high as hell. Um, I'm going to go You're welcome. with with one of the most athletic feuds um, from two guys you wouldn't imagine being that athletic, uh, one more so than the other. Um, but I was going – I was watching um, – going through the old Brock Lesnar versus Kurt Angle feud uh, where they kind of worked in Big Show, but I'm focusing more on just Brock and Kurt. Um you know, Kurt, when he went through that whole thing with his neck, you know, he was saying how Brock Lesnar was there for him. They had, like, a really good friendship. Kurt then beat Brock Lesnar for the title in that triple threat with um, Big Show. And then Brock Lesnar did what no one saw coming and sided with Vince McMahon to uh, screw over Kurt Angle. And I think they had promos were, were pretty were pretty good, but they're in ring. Um, was, was really, really, really good. That is that is what won me over the most. Um, and like I said, Brock Lesnar was just so athletic. Wasn't he doing like shooting star presses? And it was just like unheard of, of guys He that was size? attempting
0: it. He did it a couple times and one time he hurt himself pretty badly. He almost he just killed his unheard in that of guys. Third angle match it's
1: doing it's just unheard of breath. guys that size. I think that's that's what the biggest issue was. Guys that size shouldn't be doing shooting star presses. Nope. Um, but, no, they they really had some classic matches. Um, I thought the, the better matches came when it was just the two of them, but when the Big Show kind of worked its way in, it got more entertaining. Um, but as far as great in-ring, I thought those two, when it was just those two for the uh, WWE title, Those were just some really great matches, and like I said, it was athleticism from two guys you wouldn't imagine would be that athletic, or as you and Chris were saying, on Brock Lesnar's behalf, trying to be that athletic and almost killing himself. Um, But yeah, I'm throwing that in there. That was definitely one of my um, all-time favorite uh,
0: feuds. I'll say, dude, I I did actually really enjoy that feud between the two of them, because they are monsters and you know they both come with a wrestling background so they're able to work on stuff and i like brock lesnar a hell of a lot back then obviously than now because he was mm-hmm. you know uh he was not just suplexing people um and just claiming friends <laughs> but but they they had great chemistry is that that shooting star press man he should never have done that Ugh, that was scary chris you're next uh i'm gonna take us all the way back to 1989
2: where Terry Funk and Ric Flair feuded for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship in World Championship Wrestling. Uh, One of my favorite feuds of all time leading up to one of my favorite matches of all time. Essentially, Ric Flair defeated uh, Ricky Steamboat to retain the championship. Funk was one of the judges. He challenged Ric Flair to a match. Ric Flair said that Terry Funk was spending too much time in Hollywood, which at the time, Terry Funk had just done, I believe, Roadhouse and a few other Hollywood films. Um, and that led to Terry Funk basically giving Ric Flair a pile driver on a massive, what looked like, an in, like a New Japan table, which is like one of the craziest things that had happened in WCW ever up, up to that point. Um, and that put Flair out of action. So when Flair came back, he cut some brilliant promos on uh, Terry Funk. And that led up to an I Quit match at uh, Clash of the Champions, I believe, where Flair beat Terry Funk after basically what was just a straight hardcore I Quit match with a figure four leg lock. And then shortly thereafter, um, there were several matches against uh, were involving Sting and Muda. But there's this great... Um, segment where Terry Funk actually puts a bag over Ric Flair's head and begins to suffocate him and you actually think that the crazy Terry Funk is going to kill Ric Flair. Uh and and, and it led up to several other matches. But that that is one that always stands out in my mind. It's one that I watched as a kid um growing up on old W C W tapes and and it's one that, you know, it's got two of my favorite wrestlers of all time. So it definitely makes my list of most memorable feuds. There I mean there's so many that I could list off, but this one always stands out to me, specifically for that I Quit match at Clash of the Champions, which is on the WWE Network. So if you haven't seen it, definitely check it out. I think they even have the feud build up going into the match beforehand if I remember correctly, but yeah, it's uh that Clash of the Champions package they have on there if you if you check that out that's one of the first matches i believe they show but it was an amazing feud and it, and it showed just how great both flair and uh terry funk were especially in a time in wcw that wasn't necessarily uh where wcw wasn't necessarily doing so hot so i i highly highly respect
0: that feud and love both those guys yeah. Great matches, man. Definitely. Um, I'm going to go not that far back. Let's just do one more round guys. And then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do this again. It's a lot of fun. I like uh, talking about some feudage, uh, but, um, I'm trying to think what would be the perfect one to go over. I'm going to say actually one of my favorite ones, just because how entertaining both guys are in the mic and kind of escalated throughout the years. Um, for the the blunt end of the Attitude Era and a lot of the uh, Ruthless Aggression Era was uh, Y2J and The Rock. Um, I think a lot of people kind of sit on those feuds just because The Rock, they were both countering two of the only guys that could, like, outdo the other one um, on the mic, you know, to usually The Rock got the best of Chris Jericho. But the whole, they, they just kept on having matches. I think the first time Chris Jericho came out, he was actually interrupting The Rock if I do remember correctly. They had a couple of matches sporadically throughout a time period. It was also that time period where Chris Jericho was calling Stephanie McMahon a no-good, uh, bottom-feeding, dirty, trashy, whore, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I'll throw that in there as my last one. I was going to do Ricky Steamboat and, and Randy Savage, but I didn't feel like talking as much as I did last time. So, here you go, Juwan. I'm going to go... Chris Jericho. Also, um,
1: I'm gonna go Chris Jericho and Shawn Michaels, not the older um, rivalry that they started back then. I'm gonna go the newer one where they were feuding for the world heavyweight title. When I thought Chris Jericho blinded Shawn Michaels when he threw his face into the um, the television screen that uh, Y2J had had set up in yep. the ring. Um, I that was one of the few times where I was just like, "Real." I think Shawn Michaels might end up being blind. <laughs> he has, like shards of glass in his eyes. Is, is
0: that the few where um, he punched Shawn Michaels' wife?
1: Where he said again? Like punch her. No, no. Wait, did he? I I think yeah, that he, punch Shawn wife.
0: he
2: He got into an altercation with Shawn Michaels and his wife at, at a catering table. He didn't actually punch anyone, but it, that thing gets overblown. But there was definitely a feud in the back. And I don't know that that was during that rivalry, but that definitely did happen. There was some uh, heat between Sean and Jericho there for a while, some legitimate heat.
0: Well, I remember hearing he's... from Jer- Jericho because uh, th- that there was at least something that happened in the ring because I've watched the videos where he wasn't supposed to hit her as hard as he did, and he accidentally fucking hit her too hard and basically clocked her. and Because like, I remember Sean and um, him talking about it on his show. But uh, sorry, John. Sorry for interrupting you, sir. Keep on going.
1: No, 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 no. no, You're good because I do remember that in the ring moment. I just didn't know about the uh, the behind the scenes stuff. But I did know I do I did know about that in ring moment. But they had really great matches, really great uh, mic work. I thought that ladder match um, between the two of them was just really classic. But I'm definitely throwing in that is my last one. I'm throwing in Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho. And that two generation feud that they had,
0: yeah, definitely a good one. I didn't pick that because I was I was thinking about doing that, Joanne, and I was also thinking about him and the Undertaker. But I was like, I already did Shawn Michaels. I'm too big of a Shawn Michaels mark. Surprised that I didn't do something with Sting. He's like usually in there somewhere too. But uh, Chris, give me your give me your last one. Uh, one of your favorite. I just food. want to go ahead.
2: I want to go ahead and say I had Jericho and HBK on my list too. Um, Originally, I thought we were doing going 10 years back. So that was the 2008 time period. So that was one of the early ones that I picked. But uh, I'm going to try to go. Uh, we talked about both these guys earlier. Um, I'm going to go CM Punk versus John Cena versus the WWE in general. Uh, I think that it led to an, a period in wrestling. You come off the shoot interview from CM Punk. CM Punk gets the title shot, wins the title, goes home, comes back two or three months later you have champion versus champion and then you get CM Punk beating uh, John Cena to unify the two titles back together. And then to go on like probably what will be his best run in wrestling ever. And I I thought that everything about that from John Cena's promos leading up to it, to the actual matches that they had during that uh, 2011, 2012 um, feud between those two were some of the best things that had happened in wrestling. And, and, um, since HBK had retired and, and some of that stuff had moved on down the line. So I thought it was a breath of fresh air and it kind of, uh, solidified CM Punk as being, you know, a top guy as well as, you know, John Cena always being the benchmark. So I, I thought it was a great feud and I, I and the incorporation of uh, CM Punk of course versus Vince and WWE was also great. So it was more of a three way feud, but definitely one that I remember fondly, um, that's more recent. I mean, I have a ton from back in the day, but that's a more recent one that that really sticks out to me as a great, great feud.
1: I mean, I, I completely, yeah. I completely second. I second that completely. Let's not forget, it also gave us that feud. Led to two other really fun feuds: um, CM Punk versus Triple H, and then CM Punk versus Kevin Nash. Both, all three of those feuds were very fun feuds. Um, but I completely agree with you, Chris. That CM Punk John Cena. This was, uh, that that feud was way more important than, than most people think.
0: Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, that feud actually reminds me of one I was thinking about bringing up, but I mean, we'll get to more, but uh, a little bit of uh, Roddy Roddy Piper and Hulk Hogan. Obviously, it was a little bit more stretched out, but uh, CM Punk made a reference to that with their type of situation. Obviously, there wasn't so much inner bullshit with the WWE. Well, who knows? Piper probably got in Vince's face couple times, I'm sure, Uh, but, you know, that or Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio, which is great feuds throughout their whole entire career, I mean, we'll get into some more of that, it's a fun conversation to have, so uh, let's go on to our next thing, another little bit of geeking out wrestling-wise, and after that, we'll go over, try to go over the pay-per-view, but I'm going to be honest with you guys out there listening, the pay-per-view was shit, and Ron and SmackDown were really good, but we'll try to get to that, promise you, but I want to have a nice little fun conversation with... Going over our top ten modern WWE talent, all around, basically. So this is this is a combination of, of mic work, in ring skills, uh, you know, just everything, basically. Who we think are the top ten? Um, because I don't feel like going first. Of course, I'm going to pass this to Chris. So Chris, you can start off with this. Uh,
2: damn it! Give me just a second.
0: Uh, Jawan, you can go ahead. All right, Joanne, balls in your court. <laughs>
1: so I'm just picking um, a talent, uh, a new talent.
0: Uh, so so go from ten to five right now. We'll, we'll, that's how we'll do it. We'll we'll all say our you know, go from ten until five, and then or ten until six. You know what I'm saying? And leave five through one for the next round. But just go through each okay. person and kind of give give a little background of why you picked them to be. On there, you know, you can talk. We have literally forty-five minutes to talk. So, all right. So they have to be
1: currently wrestling, right?
0: Yeah, you can pick an older guy, but they have to be. You know, it doesn't have to be just new guys, basically.
1: Okay. Um, I'm. Do you want me to go? Do you want start... me to go
0: first? So, so everyone kind of. No, no,
1: no. It's
0: nine. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. All right, all right. So this is how I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do from ten until six, guys. Um, I did have a couple honorable mentions, uh, because I just can't believe I don't have Braun Strowman, The Miz, Bray Wyatt, uh, Roman Reigns, none of them made it, Tozawa, wanted to like, you know, clarify, I like these guys a lot. This list to me was basically who I, you know, all around good wrestler, you know? So 10, I'm actually going to give to the guy that returned yesterday, Mr. Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho looks fucking like a million bucks. He performs in the ring not as good, but still can do stuff that most guys his age would never try to attempt. Um, he's still a great wrestler. He's still believable if he won the freaking U.S. title yesterday. Uh, he's one of my favorite wrestlers. And, I mean, the fact that I want to see him work now a little bit with AJ Styles. I, I kind—I know that they did for a few at first, but I, I really would love to see them in a program that lasted almost the whole entire year. Uh, I think that would be a cool situation. So I love Chris Jericho. Uh nine. I can't. Some people are gonna think I'm crazy for putting him this low, but it's Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, Shinsuke almost—I was really thinking about it. You know, he's gonna get better with his mic skills. He's a damn good wrestler, but he's getting towards the end, obviously. Um, you know, incredible talent in New Japan, but now if they don't start using him, the fact that he has charisma is not gonna help him, especially since the English, the, the the English barrier, which is fine, but his visual and just you know his energy for charisma works better than, you know, uh, obviously him talking. So that that's a little bit holding him back. Eight, Xavier Woods. Um, I love Kofi and Big E, but Xavier Woods is the best one out of all of them. He's the best person on the mic. Uh, he's the best in-ring performer. Uh, he, he is hilarious. Um, I, I just think that he's an incredible wrestler. I think, you know, uh, he could do well by himself. Better, I think, than the other two, actually. Even Big E for his size, I think that Xavier just exudes a hell of a lot of charisma. Seven is Samoa Joe. Samoa Joe is a beast. Uh, I want to keep on seeing him just go further. I mean, I watched him when he was younger in his career. Uh, not Ring of Honor, but but uh, TNA. And I want to continue to see him just flourish, and I think that he's a monster. One of the scariest heels that they have. One of the most intimidating heels, honestly, that I've seen in WWE is Triple H. Um, maybe he's not as much of a bitch as Triple H because I've never seen Samoa Joe Power, and, you know, slowly try to back up in a situation like I've seen C- Triple H do. So who knows? Um, and six, Finn Balor. Love Finn Balor. I think he's incredible. Uh, his size is definitely going to be a good thing throughout his career and also a bad thing in Vince McMahon's eyes. Let to see the title back on him. Um, sometimes, even though he's fast, he's persistent, sometimes he, he can get a little choppy, like as in um, diff or anything like that. But, like, he'll miss the mark sometimes. Um he could be a little bit tighter, but, I mean, he's an incredible wrestler. He's he's trained a couple wrestlers that are part of that, including Becky Lynch. That was her trainer. Um, and to Kevin Owens, Finn Balor would be his perfect match for WrestleMania. That's what he said, either him or Sami Zayn. Um, so i got to say that I've really liked his work, and that's that, 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 that's that's for me. That's 10 through 6, everyone. All right, let's go to you, Joan.
1: All right. Um, number ten, I'm going with Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, I agree with you. I have him low on my list only because um I, I feel I still feel as I haven't seen enough from him and that's not his fault. Um, this match with John Cena that I was telling you I want I've been wanted that feud between the two of them. Um, this might change my mind, but I just wanna see maybe a year of Shinsuke Nakamura and then I can be like, Yeah, no, he's definitely Way higher than that. But I'm going to start with number 10. I'm going to start with Shinsuke Nakamura. Um, number nine is definitely uh, AJ Styles. I just <laughs> I think he is possibly the best in-ring performer in WWE right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I literally think he might be the best performer in WWE right now. Um, I'm going with Finn Balor. just love Finn Balor. I need him to stay healthy. Um, I know that's not really something he's looking to do is is be injured, but I need him to stay healthy so I can see more of him, and that's probably why he doesn't have the the belt uh, right now is because they're kind of probably still a little worried about that. Uh, Who else? I'm going to go The Miz. I will always put The Miz on my list because The Miz is possibly one of the best heels in WWE right now. I wanted to argue with you on that Xavier Woods thing, Dane, but I won't. I just think Kofi Kingston is a better in-ring performer. Xavier Woods has him on everything else. I just think back to Kofi Kingston's old work, especially that rivalry he had with Randy Orton, where you kind of saw more from Kofi uh, rather than that whole Jamaican uh, shtick that they had him starting with that he kind of just flamed out of and no one really brings up anymore. Um, But I just think he's a better in-ring performer, uh, more athletic, more explosive, but honestly, I had to see more Xavier Woods um, before I can really make that statement. That's why I said I won't argue with you on that. I'm going to put Seth Rollins in there, and last but not least, I'm going to put Braun Strowman in there, only because Braun Strowman brought me something I thought I I wouldn't see again since Kane first uh, entered the the WWE when he ripped the, the cage door off. I could totally see Braun Strowman doing that. Just that whole fear logic and the whole logic of, like, I don't think there's anyone that can stop someone of that size. Uh, I just love what they're doing with Braun Strowman, and I hope he gets the title. So that's my 10 through 6. <laughs> uh,
0: Chris, give me your 10 through 6, sir. Huh?
2: Sure. Uh, I included NXT guys on mine, so just a heads up on that. But these are, these are people that I think that –
0: should, God damn the,
2: the, company, it, Chris. Should, the company should be built around in general. Uh, number 10 is Pete Dunne. I haven't seen a bad Pete Dunne match. I think the guy's incredible in the ring. I think he has a natural charisma that the fans could easily get behind. He's someone that I definitely want to see on Raw or SmackDown and get an absolute massive push. Um, I, I Tyler Bates was on my honorable mentions, um, but uh, Pete Dunne, I think he's he's, the real UK star. And I think if they want to have someone represent the UK, he's the perfect one for it. Uh, Everything about the way he wrestles and the way he carries himself as a performer, I think he could be something incredible. Uh, Number nine, I have Finn Balor. The only reason that he's as low on my list as he is is because he hasn't, I don't think that we've seen the full extent of Finn Balor yet. And I'm not ready to jump off the the ledge of the Finn Balor train and put him way high up on my list. So I, I got him at nine. Uh, Roman Reigns, I have it as eight. He's a uh, he. A few months ago, he probably wouldn't even made this list, but I do think that he's his retail is slowly getting higher. I think he's he's gotten a lot better in the ring. His mic work has gotten better now that they've given him more of a direction with his character. Um, I look forward to seeing what they're gonna do with him coming out of SummerSlam, but he's he, he's definitely up up in my top ten. Uh, number seven, I have Sami Zayn. I feel like he's someone that's probably going to get looked over just because of the way they push him. But Sami Zayn consistently has good matches with whoever they put him against. Um, he's kind of the measuring stick on whether or not you can have a good match. I think Nakamura's best match, someone that didn't make my list uh, was Nakamura. And I think the only good match I've really seen from Nakamura in WWE or a, a match that I would go back and watch again was Nakamura versus Sami Zayn on Sami Zayn's last night in NXT. So I put Sami Zayn on my list. I think they could do a lot more with him. If they didn't make him look like such a goof. I think he would be way more over than he currently is. Uh, and number six, I have Bobby Roode. If Bobby Roode comes to the main roster and they continue to let him uh, be Bobby Roode like he is in NXT with his current gimmick and uh, just give him some dominant wins, I think that he could easily climb this list to, to number three or one. But right now I'm going to leave him at six. So, my ten through six is Pete Dunn, Finn Balor, Roman Reigns, Sami Zayn, and Bobby Roode. Um, and that's who I had going, guys.
0: Wow, damn it. I, I can't believe I forgot Pete Dunn. I didn't even think about Sami Zayn. feel bad for Sami. Don't worry. He's going to be in a nice tag team with Ty Dillinger soon. <laughs> um, damn, so, some of those, I completely forgot about those guys. Like Bobby Roode, didn't even think about it didn't even, like, comprehend NXT or thinking about it, which, I don't know if Alistair Black would have made the list, because he hasn't had that many batches, but he definitely has potential to be on my list in, like, a year or something. So I'll throw all those names out there. Let me go from five. Five, I have Seth Rollins. I think Seth Rollins is an incredible in-ring performer. Sometimes he's a little sloppy, but for the most part, I mean, he's it's because they change his fucking finisher every goddamn two months, he's got to learn a new one. Um, but... I really like Seth Rollins. I like his in-ring work. I think he's good on the mic. I like him better as a heel, but he's still believable as a babyface. Very similar to, I think, Randy Orton. Uh, I think they're, they're both really good at heels, and when they come off as a babyface, they're like, yeah, right? Rally behind me. Like, that's their whole concept, and it fucking works. A- anyways, uh, four, this is hard. The, the top four was very hard for me. Um, four is Kevin Owens. Love K.O. I think he's an incredible wrestler. People can bitch about his physique all they want, but he can do better fucking moves than half the goddamn roster, so fuck off. Us big guys can rock ass too. That's all I gotta say, rock ass. That didn't sound good. Um so Kevin Owens would be four, great in ring performer, great wrestler, great fucking heel. And if he wanted to, he would be a great baby face. He'd be he'd be over like stone cold basically, and he's an incredible heel. Like just a complete dick. And you believe everything, just, just I I, I really do like Kevin Owens. Three, another heel. Don't worry, I got babyface for the top two. Uh, Neville. Neville, I always thought, was a spectacle wrestler. Um, basically one of those cruiserweights. Kind of like a uh, luchador, if you will, for most cases. Someone will come out, do some incredible shit, and that would be it. Holy fuck, has he blown up as a heel. And if anything, he's probably one of the biggest reasons to watch two oh five live is just how incredible he is in the ring, how great he is on the mic, how how he's like a how he can just be such a dick in the ring, like, you know, like uh trying to taunt his opponents, especially like if they're of far location, he's like <laughs> like he looks like an evil fucking troll. Love Neville. Two John Cena. I don't give a fuck if you think he sucks. John Cena is the face of the company, I have respect, just amounts of, uh, of respect for him uh, for what he does outside of WWE. Um, he's actually a, he's turning into a pretty damn good actor. He's one of the best guys with mic skills. Weird. Um, he's one of the best wrestlers in the ring. You can say he has six moves from Doom. I've seen him do some pretty fucking awesome stuff. Him and AJ Styles was the closest WWE got, and it wasn't it wasn't that close at all. But I'm just saying, was there Okada Omega? The, the couple times those guys that got in the ring together was pretty fucking magical. And speaking of AJ Styles, AJ Styles is my number one. His, his mic skills definitely take him out a notch, but the fact that he is the best in-ring performer just, I think, stabilized him as my favorite wrestler to watch now. The reaction he gets from the crowd, he's a damn good heel. He's always been a good fucking wrestler. Um, and I, I I love AJ Styles. I, I just do. I, he just has that charisma I'm always going to flock to you. the fact that i would met him in real life and served him at Ruby 2 at the Mall of Georgia, and he was a really nice guy. Maybe he has a little bit to do with it, and I wasn't even in wrestling back then. But I love AJ Styles, so that would be my top ten. just want to go over before I pass to Juwan. Ten, Chris Jericho. Nine, Shinsuke Nakamura. Eight, Xavier Woods. Seven, Samoa Joe. Six, Finn Balor. Five, Seth Rollins. Four, Kevin Owens. Three, Neville. Two, John Cena. And number one, AJ Styles. They don't want none. Uh, Anyways, uh, Juwan, what is your top five, sir? Um, I'm going to start off with Samoa Joe. Just
1: love what I've been seeing from Samoa Joe since he's actually been getting an actual push. Um, Number four is John Cena. He's just always going to be on the list. He's just one of those guys who's just always going to be on the list. Uh, I'm trying to think who after that. I'm actually going to put Dean Ambrose on my list. He still does... I still get entertained watching him. Uh, his in-ring work could be better, but I definitely do enjoy watching Dean Ambrose. I would think that he, he, he always gave me, like, this Mick Foley vibe. Um, so I just I, I love watching Dean Ambrose. I need him to get out of this Miz feud that he's in because that's kind of making him stale. Uh, but I, like I said, I do enjoy Dean Ambrose. Number three. Uh, no, that was my number three. Number two... Uh, geez. I'm actually going to gonna go with Bobby Roode, since I now know that we're doing NXT. I'm definitely going with Bobby Roode. He's, he's always, since he's come to NXT, gave me like a Triple H vibe. And I would definitely love for him to come up to the main roster, um, Raw specifically. Make him your WWE champion and make him your champion for a long time. Uh, Bobby Roode could definitely just take over if, like Chris said, they allow him to be Bobby Roode. And that theme song is just so money. It's just it's so gold. Uh, I'm trying to think who my number one would be. You know what? I'm going to go with Sami Zayn. I'm going to go with Sami Zayn as my number one. Like you guys say, he's just really, really, really amazing Uh, in the ring. They have been using him as a goof. But what I was going to say, Chris, when you brought up Sami Zayn, what they're doing with him now is the same thing they started off doing with Daniel Bryan. And so he got a better following. The fans just made it, like, impossible for you to continuously keep disrespecting him. And I'm hoping Sami Zayn gets that same kind of uh, momentum with, with his fan base and they kind of start seeing that and respecting him more for his great in-work, uh, in-ring work that he, that he does. But Daniel Bryan, remember Daniel Bryan was beaten in, like, 15 seconds by Sheamus. So he had his clown moments also. So hopefully Sami Zayn can have his coming moment um, like Daniel Bryan did. But that is my top ten.
0: All right, Chris, you're, you're left, self. Uh I have Samoa Joe at
2: number five. Uh, I probably will put him higher if he ends up winning the title. I think he's the best thing on Raw right now, hands down. Uh, The rest of the people on my list are all SmackDown guys, so props to Samoa Joe for making the (laughs) highest out of the Raw guys, I guess. Um, Four, I got Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho is a fucking legend. I think that he was the best thing Raw had. Um, Storyline-wise, him and Kevin Owens kind of carried the show for a long period of time when it seemed really stale. So he made my list, and I think he's going to come back and Feeding with AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, probably, and I think that's still going to be great, and he's still going to be one of the top ten guys as far as what the company should be built around right now. Um, Number three, Kevin Owens. Uh, Once again, Kevin Owens is just consistently uh, great, has great matches. He's always good on the mic. He's someone that could be a face if you ever wanted to go that route with him. Um, He's someone that can be a goof with Chris Jericho if you want to do something like that. I think he's just very versatile, um, and gets a lot of flack for his physique, but I, I honestly don't think it matters. I mean, Mick Foley once again, was a bigger guy that could do all similar things to Kevin Owens. Now, Kevin Owens is a hell of a lot more athletic, and, and probably, I would, um, to me personally, is a better in-ring worker. I guess that's debatable, depending on what wrestling style you like, but Kevin Owens is at number three for me, and then rounding out the top two is John Cena and AJ Styles. Had to put them at one and two on this list. They... uh I mean, they just had amazing matches last uh, last year with each other, like close to five-star matches. And John Cena has always been the face. I mean, he's the measuring stick. So for me to put AJ stick, uh, AJ Styles above him on this list is, is saying a lot about what AJ Styles has been able to do with what they've given him thus far, which is just continuously turn out not only good TV matches, but great pay-per-view matches. Um and once again, AJ Styles is from Gainesville, Georgia, so I'm always going to try to put him close to the top of the that list, is, uh... not the very top, because he's from my hometown. So <laughs> uh, that's my list, uh, 10 through 1. I got Pete Dunn at 10, Finn Balor at 9, Roman Reigns at 8, Sami Zayn at 7, Bobby Roode at 6, Samoa Joe at 5, Chris Jericho at 4, Kevin Owens at 3, John Cena at 2, number 1 uh, had AJ Styles, and then... Uh, honorable mention, I had Asuka and Charlotte just because I really wanted to put a female on this list, but I almost feel like we need to do like a separate top five or something for them, but uh, yeah, that was my list.
0: Yeah, we're definitely going to have to do a separate list now because I feel like a dick because I didn't even think about it. Whoopsie! Yeah, but uh, I do love uh, women's wrestling, so we'll definitely do a uh, top ten for Modern Era. That, That shouldn't be that hard. It's definitely... Ten females I can think of that are badasses. I love how we both had uh, AJ Styles and John Cena, Chris. I mean, you know, it's like the Hulk Hogan of this generation and the fucking Shawn Michaels. You would have thought that would have worked in the ring with the two of them, but um, instead, Shawn was pissed off and did a lot of cartoon things and Hulk was being a dick. What do you expect? Egos. Anyways, let's talk about... Oh, my God. We're actually about to go into battleground. Do we, do we really have to do this? <laughs> oh God! All right, you know what? I'm gonna list. I'm gonna list the matches, and in the in the actually I'll go me, Chris, and then Juwan. We're just gonna fucking break down just everything that was wrong with that fucking pay per view. And if you liked it, you know, just say what what you gotta say. But besides that tag team at the beginning, and for the most part, the match itself with AJ Styles and Kevin Owens. That was garbage. Uh, so let me, let, let, me, let me list these matches, guys, for you. Hold on, hold on one second. All right. All right. So we got Aiden English beating Ty Dillinger for the kickoff, which is amazing because that means they're really trying to bury the 10-man. I mean, he's got to go down a couple notches at some point because he's losing to Aiden English. Uh, SmackDown Tag Team Championship match, probably the match tonight. New Day defeating the Usos. Great match back and forth. Did not see the New Day winning. A lot of fun. Uh, That'll lead to another great match at SummerSlam. Then Shinsuke and Baron Corbin. Just, what the fuck are with these endings? Are you kidding me? What the fuck? DQ's, like, running away from the ring, and, you know, Road Dogg's wondering why people are getting pissed off and he's getting all defensive on on fucking Twitter. If that was a story, he's getting really mad and, and just, like, blocking people now. Which he can do whatever the hell he wants. Elimination match between the women's. If you're in an elimination match, what the fuck's the point of having all the pins back to back to back to back right at the end? Shouldn't you just have a one pin then at that point? What was the point of that exactly? And why the fuck is Lana wrestling? All right, U.S. championship match, Kevin Owens, I think I think that was actually an accident. That's the reason why the title went back tonight is because that ending was so fucking confusing. Hell of a lot more confusing than when uh, AJ got his foot stuck in the, uh, the announce table. Flag match was just diarrhea. Worst match of the fucking night. Just, just stupid. Love the convenient tables. I'm just getting. I understand that you're supposed to, like, spend disbelief. But for Christ's sake, this is ridiculous. And thank God America won, because then someone probably would have, like, you know, I don't know, shot a, uh, a deer or, or something. A deer would have died. Yep. Sami Zayn defeated Mark Kanellis. He better have. It was a SmackDown match. Stupid. Punjabi prison. No one could see a goddamn thing. This match was awful. The only thing cool about it was Great Khali coming out the last minute until you realize it was a Great Khali. So now I'll pass it to you, Christopher. Uh, based on the matches that I just told you, how, how much did you love this Battleground pay-per-view?
2: This pay-per-view is the worst one I've seen this year, and that's saying a lot because the last one, Great Balls of Fire, wasn't that great either. Um, but there was better matches on it. Uh, right off the bat, I'm going to say the tag match was the, the match of the night easily i think the usos and the new day just work great together and without the bullshit finish from the last pay-per-view smackdown had that was also a great match so i kind of wasn't surprised that it was as good a match as it was but um it was a a really good match very entertaining those guys have had a great program i hope that it's not ending right yet i kind of want to see more but um yeah, I, I, I look forward to, to that, and I also look forward to Brisdango possibly getting shuffled into this at some point as well. Um, the flag match I thought was okay. Uh, I, I think it was weird. They didn't really do a good job to me of explaining how you won the flag match. I thought you just had to pull the flag down, not take it all the way up the stage. So it, it ended up being a really slow match. Uh, The Punjabi prison match was a really, really long match that was absolutely terrible to watch on TV. You couldn't really see anything. Um, The finish with Kali or whatever, I wasn't really into. Um, Orton and Mahal, to me, they don't have great in-ring chemistry at all. And the concept of the match seemed really dumb to me because the entire reason Mahal is the champion is because he's cheated with the the Bollywood boys to, to hold on to that title. So the fact that he would even book himself in this kind of match seemed dumb. Uh, so, I hated everything about it. uh the number one contenders match I thought it was fine for the women 's title. It wasn't anything great, but it at least we got a decent finish out of it so i I'm okay with that. Nakamura versus Baron Corbin it was a terrible finish, and it wasn't a very good match um, the nakamura and baron corbin i don't i don't know that those two can work very well together in the ring from what i've seen thus far, so kind of glad that they're possibly getting getting rid of this or ending this feud to put him against uh, John Cena. So I'm looking forward to that, but this match was awful. Uh, AJ Styles versus Kevin Owens. I thought it was a really good match. I think the reason they put, I mean, I I don't know if it was an accident or what I've heard both. Uh, I think they they switched it maybe just to have Kevin Owens have the title for when Chris Jericho showed up to re-kick that feud and then put the title back on AJ Styles so that he can start a feud with someone else. Because I'm pretty sure that we're going to get the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho feud, or maybe a possible three-way from them. Uh, It is weird to swap your title back and forth that often, but it's not unheard of because we are talking about WWE. Even if it was a mistake, I think they did a good job of covering up for it on SmackDown. So I, I, I wasn't too low on this match. I thought it was a good match overall. Uh, Sami Zayn versus uh, Mike Canellis I mean, it was a pretty much just a TV match. Uh, I thought Sami Zayn looked really good. It was nice to see him get a win. So I was okay with that. And then Aiden English versus Ty Dillinger. I didn't even watch this match. It was on the pre-show. And when I heard what the match was, I, I could care less. I was surprised Aiden English won. Um, but I-, I didn't watch it, so I'm not going to comment on what actually happened in the ring or
0: whether it was good or not. It was It was brilliant. It was... The whole thing was just great. Uh, Juwan, uh, the pay-per-view, did you fall asleep at all? Uh, think about trying it if I have insomnia.
1: Um, no, honestly, you're joking, but I did fall asleep on that pay-per-view. Um, I had to go back and, and, and uh, re-watch it. Uh, it was a horrible pay-per-view, but I think that speaks more to the fact that SmackDown does not have as much talent um, as Raw does. Even though Great Balls of Fire wasn't the greatest pay-per-view ever, it just had better matches. Uh, they Raw kind of just utilizes its talent better than SmackDown does. Uh, God, this pay-per-view is just so horrible. New Day versus Usos, like you guys said, they just work really freaking well together. I actually want to see uh, this rivalry kind of go more extreme. I want to see ladder matches. I want to see Kofi, you know, do the Kofi things, just be an aerial threat. I kind of want to see it just take a turn for the better. Even though it's great now, I do want to see the, the stakes kind of rise a little bit in that rivalry. Um, the Punjabi prison match is something I never wanted to see again after Undertaker and Great Khali did it. Uh, I do not think it is a smart like structure. I don't think it's an interesting match at all. I kind of don't get it, mainly. I think is why I hate it. Just Stop doing it. It, it. It's not interesting to watch. Um, <laughs> uh, great Khali coming out. That, that, As Chris said, and I almost started laughing when you were talking, Chris, but I didn't want to stop your flow. I, I, That did nothing for me, and I didn't understand how so many people got excited about it. I mean, the great Khali coming back, I, it did nothing for me, is all I'm trying to say. And I hope that, excuse me, when John Cena wins, because we know he will, because Baron Corbin probably will screw over uh, Shinsuke. Um, I hope Great Khali isn't, like, inserted as, as, like, someone that interferes in the match. I need Cena to win, so maybe I can stop seeing Jinder Mahal and never see Great Khali again. So it's kind of like a win-win with both. Uh, Baron Corbin versus John Cena for, for that title, that robbery might be more interesting than Shinsuke and uh, Baron Corbin. Uh, you're absolutely correct, Chris. They just don't they don't mesh well. I, I don't know I don't know why. I don't know whose fault it is, but they just don't mesh well. Um I'm trying to think of the other matches. The Divas match I, I I'm not going to watch any more Divas matches until they give uh Charlotte the title. I don't really see how uh Naomi versus uh Natalia is gonna be any more interesting than Naomi and Lana was. Uh, I agree with you, Dane. I don't know why she's wrestling, but her finisher is pretty dope. I have to give her credit for that. That is a pretty dope finisher. Um, trying to think of anything else on this pay-per-view. I hated everything. Yeah, that's all I can remember because, like I said, I fell asleep on it.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Well, all right. Well, let's, let's move on. Um, look, this is this is gonna be a little more well, not rapid fire, but I'm gonna ask you guys stuff based on what happened on Raw and SmackDown. Okay. So, how are we liking? which I think I called the four-way big man fucking brawl between Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, Samoa Joe, and Brock Lesnar for the title at SummerSlam. I'm really fucking excited about it. I know it's, it's kind of silly, but it's like a bunch of monsters fighting and stuff. Jawan, how do you feel?
1: Um, I love it, and you did call it, and people need to start giving you credit for it. You did call it, uh, I want to say maybe a month, a month and a half ago. Uh, this match will be more interesting to me Uh, If two things happen, if it becomes an elimination match, um, so we don't really have to worry about, um, like, a screw job or something like that as far as someone winning um, or or losing, rather, and also if the title actually changes hands. That is the only – those are the only two ways this match will actually be interesting for me. I'm not saying it won't be good, but as 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 far as me going, damn, that was everything I was hoping it would be. A title has to change hands, and elimination style, I think, will work best for that match. Mainly so it's not just like, because it it already seems too convoluted. It's just too many damn big guys. So, as far as, you know, Braun Strowman just wrecking everything, it's not going to be that different than what you imagine it being. So, just make an elimination. Strowman beating Lesnar for the title. That's what I want.
0: See, I like that concept, too, because if you have Braun Strowman in there and it's elimination, he loses somehow, and then he just beats the shit out of all of them before he leaves. I want either Braun or freaking Samoa Joe to win, but I expect Brock to lose the title because I think he's going to be going off to train for UFC. I'm pretty sure that rumor is becoming more and more clear. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about this 4 away at SummerSlam? I, I think it's going to be a, a good match. Um, I really hope they
2: put the title on Samoa Joe. I think this is a good way to do it without making Roman look weak or Braun look weak with having maybe Braun and Roman taking each other out. That's a, that's what I'm assuming is going to happen is either the title is going to go to Joe or it's going to stay on Brock. Hopefully, like Juwan says, it's a lot more interesting if there is a title change. Um, worst case scenario, the only thing that would really make me dislike the match is if, Roman gets a pin clean over Samoa Joe as opposed to Brock or if, you know, if something like that happens where it makes Samoa Joe look weak, I think he's the best thing on Raw. Other than that, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's
0: going to be a real fun match. No, that would really fucking piss me off. You're, You're absolutely right. Like, if Braun does it, I'm not so mad about it, but... Yeah, that wouldn't that wouldn't be cool. And if it if it isn't an elimination, we have to deal with that reality. I hope it's a long, fun match and none of the guys are going down, and that's why they can extend it and make it a long match. But then again, Brock's in it, so maybe he's going to want, like, a 10-minute match. 10-minute window. No. All right. Are we looking forward, or has it lost its appeal between Finn Balor having a program finally with Bray Wyatt? They'll probably go with him becoming the demon at SummerSlam. How do you feel about that, Chris?
2: I think it's a good time to do it. Um, It gives both of those guys something to do, and I don't think this will be the last time you see them. And I wouldn't even be surprised if we don't get the demon at SummerSlam, if they save it for down the road for some reason. But uh, I I am intrigued by it. And the entire thing for this feud for me was how is it going to play out And is it going to turn into a Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt situation? Because if it turns into that, then I'm totally fucking done. I don't want anything to do with it because that shit was awful. But if it turns into a natural wrestling feud and it's just Bray Wyatt versus the demon, then I'm all for it. Um, I think it could be really good. I think it'll be a lot of fun, but I hope it's just a wrestling match and not a bunch of Bray Wyatt gimmicks.
0: I completely agree with you. And there better not be some fucking LED shot on the ring at some point. None of that bullshit. It should be those two badasses. Basically kind of like a modern, but we never got with like a Sting versus Undertaker. Like I want to to the Demon versus Bray Wyatt, the Eater of Worlds. Uh, do you feel the same way, John? Absolutely.
1: And honestly, the biggest thing I want to come from uh, their match is to launch both into a uh, possible future title picture. Like I need SummerSlam to start to be the end of most of these these annoying-ass feuds on Raw. I need SummerSlam to be the last time Miz and Dean Ambrose fight for the title ever. Like, ever. I don't even want to see it again in, like, next year. Stop that shit. It's really fucking annoying. Have the Miz, um, you, know, have, you know, have the Miz retain if, if the Miz is fighting Ambrose for the title at SummerSlam. I'd love to see Finn Balor versus the Miz uh, for the Intercontinental title, um, for Finn Balor to take that title. Uh, and just really rule that mid card. Uh maybe have since Lesnar's leaving, which I hope what you were saying Dane is completely 100% true and Brock is gone, um insert Bray Wyatt into that that monster uh you know few that they have with Samoa yes. Joe, Braun Strowman and and Roman Reigns. Insert Bray Wyatt into that. That'd be that'd be amazing. Um you know, like I said I just want to see these two um, after this feud launch into better things for both of them. And I think Wyatt entering something with Strowman, Samoa Joe, and Roman, and Finn Balor entering into that mid-card intercontinental uh, championship race. I think those would be perfect for both of those two. And the Demon versus uh, Bray Wyatt would be perfect for SummerSlam.
0: Yeah, uh, good booking for sure. Um, definitely with Bray Wyatt, uh, if, if... – if the the White family gets back together, I don't think Braun Strowman personally will be a part of that. I think it will be Rowan, him, and Harper, which I feel bad for Harper because he had so much momentum. But uh, maybe maybe they can do this again at some point if all these rumors are true. Let's go to a couple more things about Raw that I want to talk to you guys about. Bailey defeated Sasha. Great match, by the way. And I thought that Bailey was going to get buried, and it seems like she's getting a push. Uh, do you see her beating Alexa Bliss and becoming the women's championship. Chris,
2: no, and I honestly don't care because it involves Sasha and Bailey feuding again, and they're never going to turn Sasha Hill. So I've stopped giving a shit. So Alexa will retain. The- <laughs> I
0: I don't blame you on that. Um, I was actually expecting Sasha to go against Alexis and get the title finally, but I like the fact that they're not putting Bailey in a shithole completely. And at least I, I get what you're saying, but at least Banks and uh, you know her have a uh, good match but uh, yeah it's it's just like the miz and fucking dean ambrose I'm done with it joan yeah how do you feel? i mean the
2: thing is is they but they've killed bailey's push so hard at this point it doesn't fucking matter like it's irrelevant that she had a good match against sasha and got a win like the crowd's so dead for her
0: now that it just it doesn't matter it's true uh maybe if she beats alexis then that will be i i, have, I don't really care uh joan Ju- how how do you feel are you looking forward to bailey
1: um, I'm more tired of uh Bailey. No, I I I won't say that. I won't disrespect Bailey that much. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I could care less. Uh she's not gonna win. And I kinda need them to start blossoming new feuds rather than me seeing Bailey or Sasha Banks be in the title picture again and again and again and again and again. Uh I, I completely agree with Chris. Um, I think the best thing for Sasha would be to become a heel. Only issue is your champion is heel, and they're not going to do heel versus heel. So we're going to have to wait for either Alexa Bliss to drop the title or Alexa Bliss to go face, and then you make Sasha heel, which I don't think will ever happen. I love Alexa Bliss as a heel way too much. Um, So I completely agree with you guys. Bailey is kind of at, like, that point where it does not matter what she does, no one really cares. And change your costume, finisher right. Bailey.
0: Yep, Bailey to Bailey is kind of dumb. All right, well we got some. Uh, we'll, we'll do a couple rapid fire. Basically, yes, and if you want to talk a little bit into it, go for it. All right, the thing I got from the Hardy Boys in the revival, I don't really give a shit about that. They'll have great matches. The club looks like they're turning babyface. There's also a rumor that they might be pairing them with Finn Balor at some point which we all know, obviously, they were part of the Bullet Club in the first incarnation. So, uh, do you think they're going babyface, uh, Chris? Um,
2: from the looks of it, yeah, it kind of seems that way. And it makes sense if they if they do do this draft and get the Wyatt family back together and they're going to do a Bray Wyatt Finn Balor feud, it gives you a 3v3 match down down the road. So, I mean, it's oh. very possible. It definitely
0: that. Yeah. Holy shit! I didn't even think about that. That's why I have Chris on the show. Juwan, uh, do you think the clubs are going to be baby faces now?
1: Um, well, first of all, screw you, Chris. The one time I was going to try to show I had wrestling knowledge was to say that same exact thing. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that would be. I think that'd be awesome. Honestly, uh, yeah, they are probably going to become uh, faces, and if they do team back up with Finn Balor, that would really be a, a, amazing. For really all three of them, honestly. Maybe have them become tag champs and Finn become intercontinental champ and just have them really take over. I'd love to see that.
0: Great concept. All right, can Dean Ambrose – or no, no, can Seth – yeah, can Dean Ambrose trust Seth Rollins, guys? Do we sh- see Shield getting back together, at least with the two of them, uh, or is this going to be all Dean Ambrose, like, screwing him over or vice versa, someone turning heel? What do you think, Chris? I think
2: it's going to be lead to them becoming tag
0: champs, and then
2: Seth Ra- or Seth Rollins getting screwed over by Dean Ambrose, or lead to them getting a title shot and he get and Seth Rollins getting screwed over by Dean Ambrose. I think they're going to pull the
0: trigger on turning Dean heel. I hope so, uh, Juwan, Do you agree?
1: Um, I do. I-, I do see them becoming tag champs and then getting uh, Dean then screwing over Seth Rollins. I'd prefer that they just skip that and just do SummerSlam Dean Ambrose versus uh, Seth Rollins, where Dean goes completely heel. I think that's just the best way to go.
0: All right, a couple more. Uh, U.S. title, what's going to go on with that, guys? Uh, we have A.J. Styles now obviously has a title. Is Kevin Owens going to feud with Jericho, and now is not going to have interest in the title? And is A.J. Styles, what, what are they doing right there, Chris? Uh,
2: I'm assuming that it will be a three-way match to begin with, and then it'll spin off another Chris Jericho-Kevin Owens feud with AJ Styles possibly doing a open challenge similar to John Cena.
0: That would be my guess. That's exactly what I could see happening. Uh, Juwan?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think the best I, – I think when Jericho came back, his uh, focus wasn't necessarily the U.S. title. It was just getting revenge on Owens, who happened to be the U.S. champion. Um, But I'm hoping we get a AJ Styles, Chris Jericho one-on-one match for the U.S. title. I think I'm more excited for that aspect uh, than anything else.
0: All right. um, Jinder Mahal and John Cena. I'm assuming myself personally, they fight. Either one of them wins. Maybe John Cena, just to get another notch. And then Baron Corbin comes out, cash in his money in the bank and takes out the other person, gets the title. Uh, it would probably make more sense, I guess, with Jinder Mahal, because he would just straight lose the title and it would just go to Baron Corbin. Maybe they don't want to give John Cena the record that this soon. But what do you think, Chris? Uh,
2: I think they're going to save that 17 to WrestleMania for WrestleMania. I could be wrong, but I, I, that feels like a WrestleMania moment kind of thing. Um, it could just end up with Jinder retaining over John Cena and then building that for a while. Like I can actually see Jinder actually retaining the title at SummerSlam.
0: I could definitely see that myself. Uh, what about you, Juan?
1: Uh no, I completely agree with Chris. I see that I could see that happening, but I do hope. Cena wins, Corbin screws him over. Uh, I mean, screws them over by cashing in and then we can get a Cena Corbin, uh, rivalry. That's just way more entertaining than anything else with Jinder Mahal.
0: I agree with you. All right. Last question, guys, uh, before we, uh, sign off. Um, basically who the hell is beating up the fashion police? Who's a tag team?
2: Huh.
0: Who is it? Chris?
2: A... <laughs> rock and roll
1: express. All right.
0: It's <laughs> rock and roll express. um, Juan, who do you think?
1: <laughs> I was say the same thing, but honestly, I had to try to figure out who the hell you were talking about. But now I remember, and <laughs> fucking stupid. I'm gonna go with Chris's answer. I I don't know.
0: <laughs> maybe maybe it's Marty Gennetti, uh, by himself. <laughs> I was I don't gonna think say so. that, just
1: Marty Jannetty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just just Marty Jannetty, <laughs> just pissed off. Maybe he's a Jim Neidhart, and they're both mad. I have no idea. Um. I think it's gonna be Har- I think it's gonna be Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, and they're gonna then jump after SummerSlam. So we had a great show, guys. We went over a lot of information. We went over all the stuff that's going up with WWE. Expect some stuff about the uh, G1 next week that we're gonna be talking about. A lot of other stuff, and then uh, me and Chris are gonna be doing top 10 uh, all-around great wrestlers outside of WWE, which should be a fun conversation. And uh, more and more WWE stuff to you and us bitching about it. So I uh, just want to thank my two co-hosts. First, the great Christopher Ray Patton. Chris, say goodbye to the audience. Goodbye, everybody. Have a good week. That's a nice voice. All right, Joan, ruin it with yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, this
1: is a great show tonight. See you guys Saturday.
0: All right, well, this is where I play music in the background, and then I sign off. Oh, wait, wait, that's not it. That's not it. Oh, my God, that's such a loud music. All right, this is much better. You guys have a good one. Wrestling Geeks Elias. Peace out, Geek 5 Nation. bum Black.